Hey, everybody. It's Jared Yates Sexton, just reminding you that my book, The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis, is available right now. Uh, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from people. Uh, I cannot tell you what that means to me. Uh, Also hearing from people that they're handing it out to their relatives in order to start making sense of uh, conspiracy theories and all of these white supremacist lies. Uh, That that is awesome, and I hope it's helping people out there. If you haven't already, it's The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. Go out and get your copy, and uh, yeah. Maybe give it to your dad who believes some kooky things off the internet. All right, now to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I'm Jerry Dave Sexton. Nick Houseman, you and I are in our respective studios. How you doing, buddy? Never thought I felt this comfortable just sitting in my chair and being back at home. It's really nice. But, you know, it's always nice to go on the road and remind yourself of how much nicer it is at home. It's very nice to go out on the road, do your thing, take care of business, and then you come home and you appreciate. Also, I, I just want to pull back the curtain real fast, Nick. Um, I got a new desk that oh. I'm recording from. Are you ready for this? Are you, are you in the, the muckrake community ready for this? Yeah. That right there was a drawer. Oh. Which is where I now keep my notes. I keep a pen. I'm ready to go, man. Wow. This is like national treasure. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna hide anything in my desk stay for an occasional snack i'll just say okay that. fair enough i'm very excited to talk all about what we have to talk about today and uh in this comfortable environs can we say nick what is any show we've got ahead of ourselves we've got uh ufos over lake huron ufos over canada we've got child labor that's not as exciting no <laughs> a super bowl ads we've got nifty new nicknames that we got to get over but first nick uh we have to talk about a very serious story that we gotta get on the record we gotta get into the nuts and bolts of um but i, I think you and i both know this and our listeners uh maybe you found it because obviously you're paying attention to the news maybe you haven't um our media has uh paid no attention to it basically uh on february 3rd in east palestine uh ohio which uh nick had to coach me on because uh my natural instinct is to go palestine but that's neither here nor there february 3rd there was a 50 car derail of a norfolk southern train uh it included uh hydrogen chloroquine and phosgene uh, among other chemicals uh it, it has already represented one of the worst uh ecological disasters in american history and it's just sitting there burning uh spewing incredible amounts of toxic chemicals killing wildlife, poisoning people, and uh, can barely uh, get any notice in the news whatsoever. Shocking. It is weird. I, like, I asked my wife, hey, have you heard about this? And she had heard nothing. And she spends a lot of time being you know, connected to the news. I had been a little bit aware, but only because we talked about something related to this, I think maybe a month ago when we had this railroad strike, rail yep. worker strike, because I think we both had sort of said, this is going to be inevitable. There's going to be a terrible a calamity because they're con- constantly cutting back costs and making it a lot harder on workers. Yeah. And, and by the way, to go ahead and, and put it in a context, I, while I was out and about doing my, uh, my book tour, I was out East. I drove just a few miles away from the scene of this accident after it had happened. I had no clue, no clue whatsoever. I, and, and I was like around where this took place, had absolutely no idea. I, I pay attention to news, I think closer than most. Um, this has just been like one of those weird sort of blips on the radar that, that nobody has mentioned. Uh, as you were saying, Nick, um, this is exactly uh, the type of thing that happens when you have somewhere like Norfolk Southern. Uh, I mean, it's a textbook case 
of how this stuff happens. Uh, Norfolk Southern, of course, has been engaging in massive stock buybacks instead of uh, uh, updating their materials and their systems. Um, they, they're supposed to have or should have electronic pneumatic brake systems, uh, which are the types of things that are supposed to make incidents like this uh, a thing of the past. But, by the way, they ended up lobbying, spending over $6 million to convince the GOP to roll back any requirements or to push back any additional requirements to make these things happen. They're using skeleton crews left and right, busting unions. This type of thing uh, shouldn't have happened, but was inevitable under the circumstances. Right. And they have oversight with the, with, with their crews. Like it's, they're supposed to take like three minutes per car was the standard. And they cut that in half because they probably were sitting in the boardroom saying, hmm, where can we find some other costs? Let's just make it 90 seconds instead. And those are the times when you see these mistakes get made. Um, and the worst part about it was the, the strike that was related to this uh, was because they didn't have time to have safety, just normal safety measures in place. And this was Congress forcing them to come back to the table and not strike. And so now you're going to have people who maybe 15, 20, 30 years from now are going to suffer from the repercussions of what happened uh, in this accident. And we don't know exactly how bad it's going to be, but these chemicals are nasty and they're terrible stuff that everyone's been breathing in for, since then. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to get any oversight on this. Well, no, and th- and that's the thing is it, this is one of the reasons why this story isn't being talked about is it's an indictment of an entire system. Like w- when we talk about like what was happening with these railroad companies, and again, just for the record, all of them are they have uh, record profits. They mm-hmm. always right. every time every time you you hear one of these stories or read one of these stories, it's always record profits. And the reason is because the smartest business practice, and let's go ahead and say in this environment, the smartest business practice is to say, you know what? Chances are our actuaries have told us that Mm -hmm. it's statistically unlikely that something like this would happen. And you have all these actuaries who are like, well, chances are it's it's a game of hot potato and nobody wants to be the person who's left holding the bag. And eventually somewhere down the line, you realize, oh, this is going to happen at some point. Chances are it'll happen to somebody else. And chances are it won't be this bad. I mean, Nick, it, it this literally is a hundred thousand gallons of vinyl chloride that is just being expunged into the environment. Just absolutely a poison cloud that has been created its own little poison ecosystem, acid rain, you name it, just killing animals, poisoning people left and right. And like, you you hope it's not this bad. Your actuaries tell you it could be this bad, probably wouldn't be this bad, and chances are it's going to happen to somebody else. Meanwhile, you're cutting back on your crews, you're cutting back on your systems, all that stuff. That is a perfect recipe and a logical recipe in this environment. You cannot trust these corporations and you cannot trust these businesses to police themselves. That's what happens when you go down that route. Absolutely. And we talked about this when we, we uh, did our uh, Patreon episode on Fight Club. Because in that movie, he talks about how what his job was, was to rate whether or not it was worth doing any of these safety measures versus what the cost could be if they fail. And I, I have a feeling that's the same thing here. They figure, sure. well, you know, this this is not going to be a big problem for us. It's worth it to uh, save the extra money we are. Uh, and, and as a result, this small town in the middle of the country, uh, people who probably don't have any enough money to be able to leave 
or even temporarily uh, to avoid breathing in this this air, uh, you know, are now going to suffer. And it's, um, you know, I mean, the, the list is long. I mean, we saw this with, in Michigan with uh, lead in the water. You know, yep. I, I'm actually really worried. We, I think I mentioned this before a couple of weeks ago. The entire infrastructure of this country is held together by threads. And I think if we really got a handle on how all these things work, even I'm talking about like garbage pickup to the water systems to the food and everything else, I think we'd all be a little bit, a little bit more yeah. con, uh, concerned if you realize how the cost cutting measures have affected the quality of work. Yeah. And, and, and it's not the, the problem is that this is like one of the most like essential and, and pressing things. You're exactly right. And by the way, some of our infrastructure, if it's held together by threads, my God, that might be some of our strongest pieces. there are threads there that's fantastic let's double down on those threads but this isn't a sexy topic that's the problem is there's no ability whatsoever no one comes out of this looking good like uh, every everything in this situation the fact that we we transport chemicals like this the fact that our lives revolve around chemicals like this the fact that how many administrations should have required all of this to be done right the fact that like lobbyists have so much power on top of that you don't like Nobody wants to tune in to cable news for discussions about bridges and about breakers and, and all of this. Like, none of it is interesting. It doesn't move the needle. And on top of that, there's no ability for anybody in the current infrastructure to look good from this. And as a result, like, they don't really want to talk about it. They don't really want to scare people left and right. They don't want to talk about industrial disasters. They don't want to talk about infrastructure failures. They don't want to talk. I mean, like, look at what happened in Texas, you know, like basically if there's a cold breeze in the Lone Star State, basically everyone dies because the infrastructure just completely collapses. There's no desire or appetite whatsoever to get into this. And the problem with this, Nick, is that when you don't discuss it, and, and this is a major problem. This is a major disaster that should have round-the-clock coverage. It should be the type of thing that we talk about. When you don't, it looks like there's something to hide, which is the financial interest, by the way, of the infrastructure and the status quo. When you don't pay attention to it, who fills the vacuum? Conspiracy theorists. And this one, by the way, this is spicy. This is a really, really good conspiracy theory, ready-to-go type thing. And the reason, Nick, is because the movie White Noise, which for those who haven't read the book, those who haven't seen the movie, a big chunk of it involves a rail car disaster in which there is what was called an airborne toxic event is loosed in a giant plume that chases people around. Parts of that film were filmed in this area. There were people who have been involved in this spill who were extras in the movie. It is a coincidence. There's no New World Order Illuminati signaling or preparing here. But if you're not talking about this, and if it isn't that big of a deal, people ask why it's not a big deal. And when they ask why it's not a big deal, they make up their own stories and they create their own conspiracy theories. For sure. And and it, that void is not being filled by, like, for instance, Three Mile Island was in 79. If you don't remember that, I, I remember growing up. That, that caused nuclear power to be set back decades right because everyone was so afraid even though in theory it isn't there's no need to be that scared of of uh, of nuclear power plants so how what happened what's the difference between 79 and the outcry against that that actually gripped the nation versus now where there's there's hardly anybody who's going to do anything about it what's the difference well nuclear power was like it's it's sexy there's no other way to put it, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's the power of the sun. It, it's the atomic bomb. It's the it's the wave of the future. Can you um, do you know what hydrogen chloride does? No, tell me. I don't know. 
What, oh. what are you looking at me for? I don't have a clue. I'm, pro- <laughs> I'm probably digesting it every day in foodstuffs or, you know, when I turn on light. I have no idea. Like, that's part of it is that the building blocks of our society are just completely hidden from us. And meanwhile, like, nuclear power, I'm sorry, but, like, that that makes for good movies. A yeah. nuclear meltdown? I mean, my God, that, that makes for a, a wonderful movie. But in this case... This is just so far away. And by the way, it doesn't hurt that it's in middle America, which is where most of these disasters take place because middle America has basically just been turned into a transport system and basically nothing else. But like it just it doesn't it doesn't engender any sort of interest at all. Well, I think that also that's the answer is there is that we've had enough of them. And so people just kind of shrug at this point. It's not a novelty. It's not a new thing. It's not. I mean, maybe it's not even scary per se, which when it really should be because, well, like three mile Island, that, you know, that nothing happened there or whatever. But meanwhile, yes, people really got sick and we've seen this happen time and again. Um, and, and I, we just, we should be demanding a lot more from, from it's local government, right? I mean, are we going to throw Pete Buttigieg under the bus for this or under the train for this one? I, I, I would love to throw Pete Buttigieg under this train and, and have an understanding because everybody who has even a hand in this, like, you know, deserves to walk away smelling like shit. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear about what trains are. And by the way, I like a train. I don't know how you, do you, how do you feel about trains? You know, it's funny. My, one of my best friends who's going to come out here to visit me uh, yeah. loves trains. He he's he goes from Chicago to L.A. He's done a couple times. I don't get it, but um, I don't know. I mean, is it is it the quaintness? Is it the throwback? What is it? I don't know. I, I love a train. I like to sit in a train. I'll, I'll go up into the cafe car, grab myself a beer, sit and watch the scenery go by. But if anybody who's listening to this has been on like an Amtrak car recently, unless you're on like one of the, the nicer ones, I mean, most of them are just derelict. There, I mean, they, we, we don't take care of our infrastructure in this country. Mm-hmm. This is Civil War era technology that we haven't moved beyond because much like, you know, in this neoliberal era, if you have it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You don't need to invest in it. You don't need to spend any more money in it. Just, you know, work and work and work until it falls apart. This type of stuff becomes inevitable after a point. Like if you say if you have an actuary in your office and it's like, oh, don't worry, you have a one in a million chance. Guess what? Eventually one in a million pops up. And you want to hope like hell that it's not going to lead to acid rain and like a three mile island situation like you were talking about. But in this case, you know, the, the, the dice got rolled exactly the wrong way. And now nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hold on to this. Nobody wants to, to even deal with it. They would much rather that this cloud just dissipated. You had an entire town basically die of cancer. You have like weird cancer strains that take place wherever the wind blows that we're just not going to pay attention to. We won't listen to the experts and we won't learn anything from that right now is the American way. Yeah, well, well said. And also, you know, we would have been paying attention to this for five days. Yep. And then completely forgot about it. I mean, has anyone talked about Ukraine in, in you know, a little bit? We haven't talked about Ukraine in, in a long time now. You know what I mean? It just fades. Things fade. Other things distract us and we don't pay attention and then nothing gets done either. It's By the way, it's kind of a bigger picture of the progression of this country. We need to learn what's happening now so we can improve in the future, which is sort of like you know, looking at how slavery affected this country and how we can continue to improve things like that, which, you know, there's a huge group of, of the people in this country that don't want to ever do that anyway. They don't want to reflect and look back on what we could do better. And this is sort of another example of that. Yeah, no, we, we have everything to learn from this, but Nick, I got to tell you, uh, I kind of spaced out there for a second because I thought I saw something fly by in the sky. 
Um, oh. We, we got to talk about the story that is taking up all of the oxygen in the room that doesn't allow us to have conversations about industrial and transportation disasters. Uh, folks, the UFOs are out there. We got problems. We got real, real problems uh, to go ahead and reset this for everybody. And obviously, you know about this. I promise you, uh, we, we're going to talk about aliens. And also, we're going to talk about like why this is actually occurring um, to go ahead and reset this thing. After the Chinese spy balloon, which, Nick, I'm still upset that we were not talking about this as it happened. I feel like that's a lost classic episode of the McGregor podcast. After the Chinese spy balloon was shot, uh, shot, a, a shot down over the, the South Carolina coast. We had a second one over Alaska that ends up getting shot down. Uh, not a balloon, but an object, which we'll get to that in a second. We have a third object that is shot down in a joint operation between Canada and the United States over the Yukon. Uh, we then have a radar anomaly over most of the entirety of the state of Montana. They couldn't end up finding it, but they said something weird was happening there. Then on Super Bowl Sunday of all days, the day of the big game, they shoot down another object over Lake Huron in Northern America. Uh, objects everywhere, Nick. Uh, can you can you play a little bit from uh, the the Pentagon's briefings and, and and get people up to date on this? Let the experts fill fill in the holes. Hey, thanks, Pat. Um, this is Liz. I'll be asking for Jen today. Um, are these balloons that have been shot down since Friday, or are they weather balloons? Thanks very much for the, the question. Yep, go ahead, go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, so I'm not going to categorize them as balloons. We're calling them objects for a reason. Uh, certainly the event off the South Carolina coast uh, for the Chinese spy balloon, that was clearly a balloon. These are objects. Uh, I am uh, not able to categorize how they stay aloft. It could be a gaseous uh, type of uh, uh balloon inside a structure, or it could be some type of a propulsion system. But clearly, they're, uh, they're able to stay aloft. I would be hesitant to and urge you not to uh, attribute it to any specific country. We don't know. That's why it's so critical to get our hands on these so that we can further assess and analyze what they are. Thank you, sir. Oh, cool. Cool, Nick. That's great. That's, that's, that, that just clears it all up. Okay. So I, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm trying. Let me get this organized, though. So the first thing is a PR standpoint, right? Before they get this call or they take this call, they must sit in the room and discuss how should we talk about this? There is nobody who has any sense of how this works who would have approved those talking points in reaction to it. That question was, which was the easiest softball question they're going to get. It wasn't the gotcha. It wasn't the, oh, my God, I wasn't prepared. There's something wrong in the Pentagon that they don't know how to answer it better than that. Can we real fast? I studied conspiracy theories for a living. If, if any and listen, there are conspiracies out there. They're not even theories like there are conspiracies out there for anybody who thinks that the government in some way, shape or form carries out big, sophisticated conspiracies all the time. Like like they're so good at it. They are so bad at this. They are so awful at trying to talk about this stuff. And I'm sure you were the same way I was. The moment that every article kept calling them objects and the word balloon would never show up, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is going to take off in, like, so many incredible ways. 
they have no ability whatsoever to like really come up with anything that sounds coherent. They have no ability to communicate this thing. God knows that our labyrinthian government is so large that none of these people actually really communicate with each other. They're all professional rivals. They all hate one another. And and by the way, Nick, I, I, I know you and I are on the same page here. I, I assume that they can go ahead and rule out that these objects are of extraterrestrial origin. Well, okay, they did. The White House did, finally, after days. What is this clip? I demand it. I demand that this clip go on the podcast. Hi, thanks, Pat, and thanks for doing this. This is for General Van Herc. Uh, Because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, uh, that raises the question... um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And thanks for the question, Helena. I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. We continue to assess uh, every threat, uh, potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with the attempt to identify it. Nick, so, Nick, that's the thing. Is he didn't think it was an alien craft, but he's such a terrible communicator that he he had to say, "I'm not ruling out anything." And by the way, is there has there ever been a better time for a UFO enthusiast than right now? Like oh. this terrible communication is perfect for this. Perfect. I mean, it's it, it's really big. It, it meant, I remember War Games, the original War Games, yeah. when the general says, "I'll piss on a spark plug if that will help anything." Like that's the kind of energy we're getting from this yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, it's interesting because perhaps the, the the information he's gotten from the pilots is that maybe that like there's no wings or whatever. Like there's something different about like what's going on here because there's a propulsion system that perhaps is not readily identifiable. So it is interesting. My take would like to be because I believe that we're not alone. I believe that sure. there's, there's got to be people out there or other or aliens out there, whatever they are. Um but I don't think it would be possible to shoot down anything with our technology, with the, considering what they would have to have. Now, but think about this, Jared. You know how like our technology is getting better and better, right, year over year? But think how much, how much dumber we're all getting. So imagine if they were on that same trajectory, right? And like the technology did get better. They can do interstellar travel, but they kept getting dumber, dumber. So they get here and they're getting shot down in the sky and they're like mollified by, hey, pizza. Like, like maybe that's how they are now. They're so dumb because they're so far ahead of us and they can get shot down. That's my only explanation. I will, I will watch that movie if you make that movie. That's a great movie that aliens got to us, but the people, the, the aliens who got here were so dumb. That's fantastic. <laughs> and by the way, what you just said is both true, but not true. Our technology is not getting that much better. Actually, what's happened within our military industrial complex is it's been such a grift and it's been so corrupt that these people get money even if they don't produce results. Like the United States, and think about what happened with Russia, right? Russia has one of the greatest armies in the world. They'll roll over Ukraine in a matter of days. No, everybody was on the take and nobody was actually filling out their orders and their stuff like was awful. The United States is great when it's going and bombing, you know, like second and third world countries and destroying their water plants and hospitals. Do you think for a second that one of these giant billion dollar boondoggles like the F-22 is going to take out a UFO? You must be crazy. These aren't UFOs. The reason why all of this stuff keeps popping up and why we're having a rash of them is because a balloon got sent over the United States, which, by the way, 
plenty of balloons go over the United States of America. Plenty of Chinese spy balloons go over the United States of America. This turned into a media sensation. It ended up being a big giant story because we're all a bunch of primates looking up in the sky trying to figure out what's going on. And they, they tuned their radars to it. There's a reason why they sent balloons here in the first place is so they wouldn't trip up a lot of this stuff. So now all of a sudden, China probably is sending over some of their advanced balloons. I have to tell you, this is a great strategy. You have a paranoid, declining country full of just absolute conspiracy theory maniacs. Send over <laughs> balloons. Don't even have instruments on them. Just here. Here's a bunch of them. Shoot them down. By the way, how much does a balloon cost? What, 55 cents? And they're going to shoot like a $2 million missile at them? My God, this is a perfect strategy. It, it works. It just works. Wow. Now now I'm getting the whole Greg Brady vibe uh, when he faked uh, the UFO, which you probably are too young to even remember what that was like. But that caused a stir, man. Like, you know, even watching that show, I was like, whoa, because uh, he was so convincing with uh, the way he created that uh, those UFOs. So, um yeah, I mean, we all want to believe it, it would sure. make sense that there would be something out there. But again, you're, you, what you're saying is absolutely right. I refuse to believe that anybody who could get as far as here from some other galaxy would so easily be shot down. Like, that just seems ridiculous. No, they're not going to get shot down. And by the way, like, this puts everything in a new light. Probably all of these UFOs that we've been seeing, they probably are advanced technology that, that China has worked on. It's probably some sort of a drone program that they're like a little bit ahead of us. You know, they've had this controlled economy, dictatorial power. Um, you know, they, they got to the hypersonic missile before we did. They probably have some drone technology we don't recognize. What, so, but you're talking about like the, the, the what, what they released a couple of years ago from yeah. fighter jets that are moving way too fast. Do you think yeah, that's and, okay? And I have to tell you. I, I, I wrote about this on my Substack. This is mutually beneficial for the United States and China. That balloon incident provided yeah. a baseline, which is what happens if a, a if a Chinese balloon or spy instrument goes over the United States? Well, the United States will get really weirded out by it. They'll they'll wring their hands a little bit and maybe they'll shoot it down. Well, that allows both of them to have a baseline. You have Biden and the Biden administration says, we're not going to allow these objects in our airspace. Look, look at us take care of it. China just keeps doing it. And it allows this new Cold War to sort of like burn a little bit. The United States and Russia had these baselines, too, which is what is the line that we will go up to where it's not going to lead to nuclear war or World War Three. And so you're going to see a ton of these things. You're going to see a ton of these incursions that are going to go back and forth. And on top of that, like they're relatively inexpensive. Well, also, then you had those Pentagon meetings where they say, listen, we got to be prepared for these UFOs. Yes. We got to spend a whole lot more money so we can have, you know, oh. we, can, we can fight them on their terms or whatever. I mean, you know, this is that, that's another thing that I can easily see them trying to, to maximize profit or not profits, but spending on. Uh, and, and how are you going to, you know, will it be a public backlash when everyone's like, oh, we, we need this defense. We need to have this special SDI, you know, dome across our you know our, our uh, hemisphere to stop them from coming in again I, it doesn't matter i think it would be like well we saw this movie what was the movie uh they blow up the white house uh, you know the one independence day independence day you know they, they, <laughs> nothing was stopping them <laughs> except for uh, what i okay forgive me a virus right isn't that what they did it oh that, is wait, the movie? That, that movie that movie still slaps that's a st it's still a really enjoyable movie but the, the them putting a virus on like a a, a flippy floppy disk and putting it in like the computer. <laughs> terrible 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 yeah. terrible solution. well yeah but they but they also it was they ripped off um star wars that you know the, let's use one of their old ships and we're gonna use a code and whatever and get in uh so you know but hey 
it was, you're right. It was good. I remember I moved to LA and I, I, that was like the first thing I saw when I moved to LA, it was that movie. And then driving down the 405 later at night with all these lights. And it felt like Ooh. I was, you know, in, in, in space. It was kind of neat. Well, uh, Nick, get ready because I have to tell you that the future at this point, and, and it's not a coincidence that the first cold war involved the growth of the UFO world. The idea oh. like Sputnik goes over America and it's beeping as it goes. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, terror from above. Like we're going to have a spate of alien movies. And by the way, real fast to go ahead, Midnight Kingdom. One weird thing that I found war of war of the worlds. The original book was about fears that Germany leading up to world war one was going to have like better technology and better machines of war than great Britain. And that because they were more technological savvy, that they were going to run roughshod, almost like an alien species coming coming here. It is a primal, inherent fear. That's why we have these Cold Wars. That why That's why we have these saber-rattling loops. This Cold War that is developing right now is avoidable, but it's already going along the same paths. It's the exact same thing. And what you said is correct. There is an incentive for our military-industrial complex to go with this. This is the best thing. Do you want new fighter jets? Do you want more drones? Do you want do you want to be safe? Oh, we've already reached the ceiling of spending. Give me more. This is the best thing that could happen to them and also the best thing that could happen to Xi Jinping in order to hold on to power in China. This is a perfect thing for nation states. And it, and it might sound familiar for a a large body of people uh, using anger and uh distrust uh, of somebody else to yep. maximize their plan, right? Because every one of those uh, movies in the 50s was all about communism, right? It wasn't about aliens coming to this place. It was about communism, uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Don't fall asleep. You're going to wake up a communist. Yep. And so we're still here, right? And we're still doing the same thing. And we still see on the right, like, you know, Fox News still still stirring the same kind of, uh, I guess, is built into our DNA or to some people's DNA. And uh, it, it really is frustrating only because, um, you know, I, I would like, to, I, I kind of want the UFOs to be real. You know, it would be nice. And it'd be nice if they're nice uh, and, and they're friendly because otherwise we're, we're, we won't wake up the next day. <laughs> no, no one's no, going to stop them. It's like a big can of raid descends from the sky. You know what I mean? That's that's what yeah. we're looking at. And I had to watch the rest of us. The rest of us? The last of us? I, had, I watched I watched another episode, man. Um, I think I had a I think I did have a, a nightmare again last night. I, I, I said I wasn't gonna watch it, but anyway. Uh, right. another one of those. Well, speaking of things that we watched, we watched Super Bowl. Good game, really good game. Uh we don't we don't need to talk about sports on this podcast unless it has a very, very specific political bent. Uh the commercials, I have to tell you, Nick, I was I was I was disappointed by the commercials uh nothing says late stage capitalism in america and decline other than every single commercial being hey do you remember this do you remember this that you and i have talked in the past about marketing the marketing industry in this country is bankrupt they have no ideas whatsoever the only thing they can do is shovel forward uh nostalgia uh before we get to this the segment or you agree that the commercials were awful well Tubi, i think had the most successful one i don't know if you saw it but like it it comes up and you, at first it starts like the it's the announcers for the super bowl and then uh, then like the bottom of the screen comes up like you're on Tubi, and it, it seems like america was gripped with screaming at each other in the room thinking that someone sat on the remote 
<laughs> so I got to tell you, when you screw with that and you make people really feel like the TV has gotten screwy or whatever, that's actually pretty successful. So I want to give them a shout out there uh, and having, I mean, I saw a hilarious tweet that said, uh, I now need to apologize for calling my mother-in-law like a bitch or something like that because oh. I thought she changed the channel. And so that kind of Who stuff is good. Who tweets that? Who tweets know. that? Why would you tweet that? I, I, you know, I think he must have thought it was really funny and it did did catch on. It's I saw it somehow in my timeline, but I, I can't imagine like looking at the tweet button and going ahead and hit yeah. it. That, that's yeah. fascinating. Well, Nick, I, I, I gotta tell you, I want to talk about uh, this, this commercial. Um, I, I, I want this to be transparent because we're a community. I'm getting ready to do a little bit of pat myself on the back, uh, a little bit of a victory lap. But can you can you can you play this commercial that uh, caught my attention? You want a loan to build a factory in America? You can't do that. This is what we were up against. Nobody builds factories in the U.S. anymore. You can't do that. Experts claim you couldn't do what we did. You want to hire workers here in the States? You can't do that. WeatherTech has been proving them wrong for over 33 years. Bill Nick, it's 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 almost it's almost like America is reindustrializing and globalism is rolling back. It's it's almost like what I've been talking about for the past I don't know two years. Almost. You want to hear the rest of it? No, I don't. It makes okay. me too. Bad. <laughs> okay. It's, but it is that's what's happening at this point. Like we are literally reindustrializing, and and I know commercials are so dumb. They are just completely and utterly dumb. But they are a really good snapshot at the zeitgeist of things. Um, they they give us an idea of what message is being conveyed uh, in in our culture by by all of the decision makers. Um, that's a pretty that's a pretty straightforward idea, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel bad because remember, I, I used to say this before, any politician that was going to go to the Rust Belt and, and promise that they're going to open up these factories, they should just be disqualified the second they say that because that's never going to happen. And you know what? Like, it kind of sounds like this is sort of it's the new thing. That, yeah. And they're going to somehow get these these sweatshops back open again and have these people, you know, living in, uh, you know, basically uh, – forced poverty, right, where they don't make enough money to be able to get out of their situations and really difficult, dangerous uh, jobs. So maybe that's we're going backwards. It doesn't make sense to me, but it sounds like that's possible. So that's the thing that I've been screaming about forever is that this was going to end up happening one way or another. There was no possibility whatsoever that as America went in decline, that it was going to continue atop sort of the global uh, uh, chain that it had created. I've always said, and, and here's the thing. I've actually, I, I took a lot of bullshit for this, Nick. I always said, look at what's happening. We're going to see a rollback of all these individual liberties. And then eventually, who's going to end up working in these factories, Nick? Who, what did I say? <laughs> the, the children who are our future. I told everybody who would listen. And they were like, oh, that's extreme. You had me. You had good analysis until you started talking about child labor. Everybody, I want to I talk about a little article that showed up. This is incredible. This is in the Washington Post. The and, little, and little then, paper, a little local paper. A little local paper called the Washington Post. And again, we keep talking about it on this podcast. When you read these articles, they are for you. But these articles particularly are framed toward a certain class of individual. This is where they talk to one another. They talk about trends. They develop ideas. I want to read a couple of paragraphs from this article. And, and, and Nick, I just want you to imagine writing this, putting this out in the world, the, this is by uh, Jacob Bagage, Washington Post. In a tight labor market, some states look to another type of worker, colon, children. What a headline, by the way. <laughs> how, how, how's that strike you? How's that hit you? Oh, it's a good one. It's a really good one. It'll get some clicks. 
it'll get some clicks. So I'm going to, I'm going to read from this article boy by uh, Jacob here. As local economies grapple with a tightening labor market, I love it when they say that, some state legislatures are looking to relax child labor protections to help employers meet hiring needs. It's part of a persistent trend in labor economics, experts say. What a sentence. I love it. They don't have to name them. They don't have to put a name on it. They just say it's part of a prevailing trend. And by the way, think about if you're an economist. You have an interview with the Washington Post. You're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make children work. And that's yeah. your day? Sounds reasonable. It sounds so reasonable. When employers struggle to find talent, oh, my God, many prefer to hire younger, cheaper workers rather than increase pay and benefits to attract adults. Who writes that sentence? <laughs> Somebody who's a them. capitalist, I guess. Uh, quote, because of the high demand for workers where there are holes in the system, unfortunately, child laborers can get caught up. Not great wording. No. Can get caught up in staffing some of these holes, says David Weil, a professor of social policy and management at Brandeis University. Legislatures, legislators in Iowa and Minnesota introduced bills in January to loosen child labor law regulations around age and workplace safety protections in some of the country's most dangerous workplaces. Minnesota's bill would permit 16 and 17-year-olds to work construction jobs. The Iowa measure would allow 14 and 15-year-olds to work certain jobs in meatpacking plants. The Iowa bill, introduced by State Senator Jason Schultz, Republican. Are you shocked, by the way? Oh, keep going. <laughs> would permit children as young as 14 to work in industrial freezers and meat coolers, provided they are separate from where meat is prepared and work in industrial laundry. Oh, wow. By the way, uh, why is that happening in Iowa? Was there like a pandemic recently where they were uh, basically forcing people to go into work and die by the dozens of COVID? Well well, it's also interesting because so many uh, migrants from Mexico or from the, the south of the border are coming up to do all these kind of jobs no one wants to do. So in some maybe twisted way, they're like, well, we can't have them come in because we need our border, yada, yada. Well, so the children, they're going to do it instead. Like, I, I, I can't think of any other rationalization, although maybe they were watching Footloose a lot because in Footloose, they're all teenagers and they're working on the construction stuff and driving the tractor. So, so maybe they're just a big Kevin Bacon fans. Yeah, that that that's probably right. They're probably big fans of him. Uh, that that body double doing the gymnastics in the barn. That's probably what this is about. Wait, it wasn't him. Oh no! <laughs> oh, Santa Claus all over again, right? Oh, Kevin Bacon no. had the moves. Uh, but yeah, like this is just this is just you know people bandying about ideas, Nick. Like seriously, it's a tightening labor market. You got to find somebody. And the whole point here is that they're putting pressure on low-income families who are experiencing severe precarity to go ahead and look at this and say, hey, do you want to stay above the poverty line? Do you want to be able to afford your rent, which, by the way, is going up constantly? Do you want to pay for health care or, you know, even to buy, be able to buy pills out of pocket? Well, guess what? You're going to need to take your 14 or 15-year-old and put them into hard labor. Like this is just the beginning. That's the opening crescendo of this thing. And and it's it, the writing has been on the wall forever. And this is the consequence of reindustrialization. This is what you have to fight against. This, this is where it's going. So, you know, growing up in Chicago, we were, you know, weaned on Upton Sinclair, the jungle and the story of how uh, children were being exploited in the turn of the century in stockyards and meatpacking plants and how dangerous that was. So, there's a reason why we have these laws of which they now want to repeal. That, that's what's so interesting about this whole thing. 
it's almost like the mindset is we, government's too big. We have to cut everything back. It doesn't really matter what it is or why we put this, those things in the first place. And that's what's really troubling because you, you might think that there's bureaucracy and things get in the way and it's too hard to do business. But a lot of times, I got to tell you, there's a good reason why they enacted those laws. It wasn't easy to get them enacted. And, and they, they had the right reasons behind them. And by, you know, taking them, dismantling them, it causes the same problems they had before they were enacted. Well, one of the things that's happening in a lot of this is it's it's these cycles where we, we, we say, OK, now that we have a little bit of wealth and stability, you know what? It's really important for children to have their childhood. Right. We really want them to be able to have play and whimsy and, and to spend their time getting educated. But when times are tough or when you have an ascendance, actually, you even have moments where you say, no, this is about virtue. You know, like the educate the educating of a certain class is important. And one of the things that we're going to start to see in terms of how this is talked about is you're basically going to have a lot of people in articles like this in Washington Post, New York Times, you name it, who are going to start saying, hey, these kids today, they're pretty soft. Aren't you tired of hearing about pronouns? Aren't you tired of video games and screens and all of that? Like we've made this new generation so soft and the generational type of aggrievement. Like how dare these kids have better lives? How dare they, you know, have more dignity than I did? It will lead to the cycling of bootstraps mentality. It'll be a cycle of abuse that goes forward and forward. And you're basically going to have a lot of people who at some point or another, probably on the Republican ticket, maybe even a couple of Democrats before it's all said and done, saying that this will be good for them which is exactly what happened with industrialization. The idea was it wasn't, oh, my God, some of these kids are dispensable. I don't care about them. It was that it would do them well, you know, that it will be good for them to 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 instill in them uh, a, a spirit, which, by the way, I, I assume that's what. And this is a great little moment from this article. I assume that's uh, what happened in Alabama, where a, a Hyundai factory was employing workers as young as 12 years old. I have to assume that they, they, they were like, man, this is really good for them. It's going to teach them how to do hard work and all that. This is the appeal. This is where it's going to go, particularly as that labor market keeps getting tighter and tighter. And people keep saying, no, I'm not going to do this job. I'm not going to hand over my life. I'm not going to do this for cents on the dollar. It is always, always, always going to head in this direction until we finally stamp our foot down and say, no, this, this can't happen again. Were you, were you on Matt Walsh's uh, Twitter feed? all weekend because that's all i do i sit i sit there and hit refresh 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 you know if you don't know who matt walsh is he is you know if you look at his bio he's like you know he's a pundit whatever he talks about shit he's he likes to talk, idiot he, he loves to talk about how women are supposed to just cook yep. meals and, and and welcome the man home from a hard day's work a theocratic fascist comma is in his bio best-selling children's author which is such a uh uh it's incredible. Yeah. And then transphobe of the year. He's a, he actually likes to uh, to wear that in sleep. But he has a, he had a tweet where he shows a picture of what his son is playing with outside because he's so happy he's not on screens. And if you look at it carefully, it's bows and arrows and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. I'm sure there's probably a gun somewhere out there that he's sure. going to be loading and shooting at some point. Um, and it just kind of also reminded me that, like, it's it's. You know, uh, they know the right knows better how your kids are supposed to be raised. Right. In in some respects. And so, you know, that's where they want to go back to, like, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Crockett, uh, Davy Crockett and that whole era, you know, uh, uh, where the kids should be playing that way. But then also, if you're not rich enough for that or you're not white enough for that, then that. 
you're going to be, you have to go work in the factories because that's just how it is. And if you're lucky, you know, you'll find a, a quarter on the, on the floor and then you'll, you'll rub them, you rub another one together. And next thing you know, you might be rich, uh, you know, in some weird story. Um, it's awful. And, uh, and any, and, and yeah, go ahead. Well, no, what you just said is absolutely key. They want to tell other people how to take care of their kids because that's the whole point. It's a natural hierarchy. Their kids are going to be in the best schools. They're going to be vaccinated. They're going to be taken well care of. They're going to be on the fast track to uh, uh, financial success, right? Mm-hmm. Their kids are going to eat the best. They're going to live the best. They're going to have, have the best experiences. It's your kids. And the entire idea there is that uh, people of color and poor people, they don't know better, Nick. They don't know better. They need somebody else to look out for them, which to go back into what I keep saying and to put this on everybody's radar, this is one of the reasons why they got rid of abortion It's to go ahead and create a new underclass that can go ahead and staff these new factories and this new era of industrialization and enjoy this precarity. The writing's on the wall. There, there's so much money to be made and so much power to be had. And, and it's, it, you're exactly right. It's not their kids. It's other people's yeah. kids. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can get all the way there because it does feel like such a religious fervence about life. Oh, yeah. But but yes, there is definitely. Uh, by the way, we can also yes get a whole lot of an economic boost off of this as well. Um, and, and just to pull us over on Matt Walsh again, because we talked about the Super Bowl for a second. Uh, before they did the uh, Super Bowl, they actually had a uh, just a performance of a song, of a hymn um, that you know I guess could be categorized as like the Black National Anthem. It's a 123 year old uh, song that everybody kids know from school, uh, you know. But Matt Walsh is a tweet that got 5.2 million views, and we know this because you know Elon Musk decided to put views in the tweets. Now we know how much how much. Yeah, they're very real, by the way. Those views are very very accurate. I'll just say that. Yeah. Well, anyway, whatever he got, it said he wrote, quote, no other country on earth is ridiculous enough to permit different racial groups to perform their own national anthems before major events. What and why? Now, you asked me, why would anybody tweet the thing about the the 2B commercial? Right. Why would you yell at your your mother-in-law? Why would anybody out themselves like this because i I think he must have been at a party they're having some drinks mimosas whatever they're doing um and then decide i want the game to start god damn it i don't want to hear this by the way a beautiful hymn with a really terrific lyrics about loving everybody and everybody being equal um what do you make of that though that reaction and it it, you know and, and everyone else piling on the reason why Matt Walsh is popular is the exact same reason why we talk about Nick Fuentes was popular, which is he's the one who like skirts the razor's edge. He's like, I will go ahead and tell you almost outright that I want women to be in the kitchen, that they shouldn't have lives, that they should be completely tethered to their husbands. I mean, like if you were to get Matt Walsh on uh, on a podcast and pump him up, you know, with truth serum, he'd probably tell you he wants to get rid of divorce laws and, you know, rights and, and all of that stuff. Right. It's it's that it's his ability to go ahead and say, I'm willing to risk being labeled like a complete and utter uh, misogynist and white supremacist. He's smart. He is a smart guy in that he sort of like skirts it a little bit enough in order to protect himself, unlike Nick Fuentes, who is just evil smart uh, and doesn't care, right? That's his brand. But yeah, he is, uh, he's repulsive. He really, oh, truly is. Yeah. And and so, and then it, everyone started piling on the replies. I don't know if you do this, but I like to look at the replies of these kind of things. I just sure. kind of, let's just get in there and find out what everyone else is saying. 
And, uh, and, and it's related to what the, the CRT movement is uh, as well, in the sense that, like, you know, there is no other culture besides the American culture that they want to have. So That's you right. can't have any other languages spoken and you can't have any other. I mean, listen, it was a song. Let's like, let's why not? You know, there's performances all over the place in this game. Like, what's the difference at that point? By the way, the Rihanna stuff like, was really brutal, uh, you know, in, in this, too. But like that, that is. And, and so, oh, by the way, it's not even just that, though. It is by cherishing some part of a culture. that's not a white culture that is racist. You know, that is yep. throwing it in our faces. That is making us feel uncomfortable, you know, and and, and just like our kids who don't but would feel uncomfortable learning that white people 200 years ago had slaves. And that's clearly going to make them uncomfortable when it doesn't. So it's 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 you know, it's it actually, I guess, good in a way to have these big Super Bowl events and these big things where we can just be reminded, I suppose, yep. of, of where we're at and, and why this is a thing. And maybe we can dissect it a little better and figure out to peel a few people off of that. But that that's where we're standing. And it's really, really frustrating. And then on top of the fact that people were kneeling, uh, you know, uh, play, NFL players were kneeling and you had heard all these people saying, that, that's it. I'm never going to watch an NFL game again. And that lasted probably, what, like two weeks until they played the big game. It didn't last long, and part of the reason was because it, it got fitted into the culture war, right? All of a sudden, you could say they're, they're the good players and the bad players. And, by the way, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't finish the show with this, Nick. we got to bring up uh, Donald Trump, who, of course, was instrumental in this, had incredible instincts when it came to using culture war ideas to his advantage and understanding which side of an issue to be on. Um, there is a report that came out in the New York Times and I got to tell you, Nick, I, I got a little bit of good news. I, I know this is going to land. Friend of the pod, Maggie Haberman, uh, is 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 updating her uh, her bona fides. Like, of course, Maggie Haberman was made indispensable to the New York Times and uh, the media apparatus because she was a Trump whisperer. He loved talking to her. Uh, like, he got a, she got a bunch of quotes from him, a bunch of like background quotes from him. She's been showing up on some DeSantis things lately. If you want an idea of where things are going, like her and Ronnie Donnie DeSantis are apparently having conversations. So this report in the New York Times, uh, DeSantis's challenge when and how to counteract Trump. Um, this is just incredible beltway brain type stuff, which is just reporting on strategic maneuvers, never ever using a critical eye, talking about the fact that DeSantis and Trump are both authoritarian assholes. But Nick, we got to have a conversation, which I think that we are uniquely suited for, which is that Donald Trump is rolling out a new attack nickname on Ron DeSantis. And a great little piece of writing because every now and then these bullshit uh, reports, they just have wonderful, wonderful pieces before we unveil it. Nick, this is a great sentence or a great paragraph quote. It was a signal that Republicans might rally behind a single primary opponent to Mr. Trump in a way they did not in 2015 and 2016. When Mr. Trump called Ben Carson, quote, pathological, comparing him to a child molester and insinuated that Senator Ted Cruz's father had been linked to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. What a time. Oh, what yeah. The halcyon days. Yes. You, you forget like how wild that was, right? That like you you would leave a debate and you'd be like, I wonder if that's gonna play Donald Trump accusing Ted Cruz's dad of killing JFK. Like what a, what strategy, right? I'm not all right. We talked about that. I'm I'm not so you know they you're, might have been you're, around. You're, you're, you're keeping your <laughs> options open. Okay, here here we get to it. Quote since November, despite this despite the criticism we faced at the time, Mr. Trump has periodically hit out at his potential rival. 
And by the way, we know this, Nick. What he's he's been like he's called him disloyal, Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. He's called him uh disanctimonious. But this one, this one he posted his most recent innuendo about the governor on Truth Social, where he has just under five million followers. And he has insulted Mr. DeSantis in casual conversations, describing him as are you ready, everybody? Quote, meatball Ron. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An apparent dig at his appearance. Nick, Meatball Ron is so quintessential like Donald Trump. It it's 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 not going to work. It's not a it's not a good takedown for modern politics. But doesn't it make you chuckle a little bit? Don't you think it's pretty good just for enjoyment purposes? Oh, absolutely. I I, kind of want to get the song from Meatballs playing, but I'm worried that it's going to play the wrong song if I do it. So we'll we'll just, you know, have that in our head. Um, Meatball Ron. Now, it's because, by the way, there's going to be, listen, we both have talked about how excited we are for this, right? This is going to be two guys going at each other, and they're going to lower the standard of of political discourse lower than we've ever seen it, right? Like, it's going to be- yeah, it's going to be underground. It's going to be in the in, in the uh, upside down uh, area of uh, that show we talk about. What was the show? Uh, Stranger Things. Thank you. And then it would be strange. Um, by the way, the, I, I, Trump is not going to let it go. The whole, you know, uh, as a teacher, as a young teacher at yeah. this private school, uh, you know, there are some pictures that are not incriminating necessarily, but they're 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 creepy. Right. This is great. Yeah. Ron DeSantis is creepy. Um, and so meatball. So meatball, like, I guess, cause he's, cause he's a little bit heavy, right? Is that what it is? He's not Italian. Well, so. It's coming from Donald Trump. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we're not laughing because it's like disparaging the way someone looks. It's because it's dumb. Like <laughs> who's, and I don't know if you followed this, Nick, Donald Trump spent the entire Super Bowl like criticizing outfits and stylists and stuff. He is wild. Like, yeah, yeah. he is. He's incredible. This this uh, paragon of masculinity that the the GOP has picked. Like meatball is like such an old old insult. Like, can you imagine a grown ass man calling you a meatball? <laughs> no, no you're great. right. It's almost yeah. Like like somebody you just laugh at him because he's so lame is not even the right word it's a sad he's just like you know uh but but people are gonna rally to this man they're gonna love they're gonna cheer him on and be like yeah put him in a body bag like you know whatever like it is horrible uh it is every bully you know tactic thing you can imagine which you know we were hoping to transcend right that's sort of what uh you know what, what they get so frustrated about the teaching stuff is when we're talking about inclusion and um you know uh the, the training of of of, of, of for workers to understand better how to speak to people it's to avoid bullying right it's to get away from that and that's what's so triggering to a guy like trump and then to the legions of people in america it really is if like that rite of passage is something everybody needs to have you should be bullied i was bullied you better be bullied and you better have those terrible feelings growing up like i did that's exactly right and and you know like I'm, i'm sure it's got a little bit of oomph behind it but you know a little bit of free advice for donald trump like stop trying to do the alliteration just quit, you know, like just stop trying to, 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 to make these little things work. Uh, meatball Ron, uh, is, is an, is, it's an interesting try. Like, just go, just go for the straight out pedophile accusation. Like, let just, just go with it. Right. Just, if you're going to do it, just do it. Do like teenage party, Ron, pedophile, Ron, you know, like statutory Ron, yeah. like just, right. just, just go for the throat. Right. Well, you know, runway, Ron, you got to get, you know, you want the alliteration. I don't know what that means, but you know, something like that. Yeah. 
No, um, it's 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 so it, it's it. Let's be honest. Donald Trump doesn't have the juice that he used to have. You know what I mean? Like it's he's 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 lost a little something. His his fastballs lost a couple of uh, MPHs there. Um, meatball Ron is not great. Meatball Ron is not good. It's fun for us. That's yeah. that's an enjoyable thing to talk about on a podcast and in your last segment. But Meatball Ron doesn't have legs. I don't think. No, we'll see. I you know I, I won't put it past him, but I I, I don't think that's going to stick. He's going to have to come up with some better. You know, like like low energy jab. <laughs> he's going to need something better. He'll, but by the way, he'll probably release Iran's cell phone number too, like he did for Lindsey Graham, which I think I really really liked at the time he did that. And uh, now I realize my the errors of my ways. I, I, forgive me. <laughs> it's so terrible. All right, everybody. We are going to be back on Friday with the Weekender Edition. A reminder, if you want to listen to the whole episode. And why wouldn't you support the show? Keep us ad-free, editorially independent. Go over to patreon.com slash podcast. We're going to have a live episode here pretty soon. Uh, we, we're, we're going to give it on our calendars to figure that thing out because we miss you people. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. If you need us before then, you can find Nick at Can You Hear Me SMH. You can find me at JY Sexton. Stay safe, everybody.